podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? This is Talking With, and I got the homie Deji in here. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Um, how you, Daniel? I'm well, I'm well. Thank you for asking. Um, so these all start the same way. What club do you support? Um, Real Madrid. <laughs> and what international team or teams do you have loyalty to? Um, obviously, Nigeria, uh, because I'm Nigerian. I think that I like France as well. I'm, I'm assuming that it's come from, you know, the Zidane days. I'm not really a fan of England, you know, just putting out that there. But obviously, like, you know, Nigeria um, and, and France would be usually the teams I root for. Where were you born slash where did you grow up? If they're the same place, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nigeria. Um, born race in Nigeria. Lagos. Lagos is like, I, I guess it's a case for, it's it's quite populated. Um, and I say this usually with respect to all the other cities in, in Nigeria, but yeah, it's, it's Lagos for most people. Um, I think even a lot of people who um, aren't originally from Lagos, a lot of people, young people especially, end up living in Lagos at some point or the other. Um, or experiencing some, some sort of Lagos, um, you know, I think Lagos experience is different. Yeah, Lagos is. And the last foundational question, and I've learned to ask this one over the course of this like spinoff thing, is what was the extent of your playing career if you had one? Like how far did you go? Was it school teams, <laughs> semi-pro, was it anything? Because there's some people like, I didn't know you, you played pro or you played semi-pro. So like how how far did you go in the game if you even tried? I played in uni actually. Um, I played oh. until my final year in uni. Um, that, that's that's the highest I got to because I don't think I was good enough <laughs> to be a pro. I don't think I had uh, the discipline to train hard enough to even think of going pro. Um, I think for me it was so much about like fitness. It was about doing the stuff that you should do as a footballer, like training and stuff. I I would say that to a good extent I had a good football brain. Um, I understood the game. Um, I played better when it was like three aside, five aside, you know, where you didn't need so much fitness, you didn't have to train. But yeah, that, that's the highest I played. I, I started to play a lot of five aside once I left uni and started to work. And then I had a knee injury, had uh-huh. a strain in my um, my meniscus. Um, and yeah, that, that's basically it. I, I, I think I've played football maybe twice in the last, last six years. Did you know last September... I tore yeah. something in my meniscus, bro. That pain is right. something different, yeah, it man. Is. It is, it is. I, <laughs> bro, it is because I, I think I start to realize how, and I'm assuming that it's not as painful as the ACL, yeah? Because, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, human physiology or whatever, but I'm, I'm assuming that it's 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 not as uh, painful as the ACL. And, guy, yeah, I was screaming. I was, I was in uh-uh. pains. I think I can understand was, how the footballers feel when they scream on the pitch. I was coming down a step, basically, and I had just gone outside to basically take the trash, and I had these shoes that were like plastic oh. on the bottom. And I came in from a step, and like the 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 plastic shoe kind of slipped on the floor, oh. and my leg moved, and it, I just yeah. heard like nobody else would hear it, but you know when you feel the pop, and I mm-hmm. had I felt poop poop. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's, like, bro, like, the, your knee swells so much. It was like it was yep. like a cartoon. It's just like, wow. Yeah. So I don't wish that on anybody, but you're exactly right. Like, I couldn't imagine what an ACL... Th- or, th- like, does it feel better now, though? Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't go sprinting or do anything like that just yet because it was September. So it's been months, not yeah. years. But, yeah. I mean, I can walk. I'm not limping. Like, you wouldn't know unless yeah. I told you. But then if you ask right, me, right. like, hey, Daniel, run here. <laughs> Why, yeah, why are you running and, like that? I'm, I'm ginger. Yeah. I'm ginger. I'm ginger. And yeah. like, there, there, there's I, a lasting effect here. I think I've lost some elasticity on the right mm-hmm. foot um, where I had that injury. You know, where you have your your, your legs sort of elastic, where you could bend mm-hmm. back and forth and bits. Uh, but then on that right foot, it's a lot like Van Persie's leg. You know how Van Persie's leg is like all straight? <laughs> it looks like, yeah, it looks like really straight footballer's leg. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should have a meniscus injury in my left as well, so I can have this straight <laughs> the leg both ways. Um, but but yeah, that that's that's the lasting effect of it. Um, it doesn't hurt though. That's a good thing. Basically, yeah. there was there's a doctor at church. His name is Wesley Ibazibo. He's a Nigerian, oh, okay. and and he 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 did like those tests on my knee because uh, mm-hmm. I don't have health insurance. So <laughs> so. <my laughs> 
So, so my dad took me to church and he was like, talk with Wesley because he's a physiotherapist. All of those tests that you see on the pitch, the, the mm-hmm. doctors grab the guy's knee and they flex it yeah. back and forward and they tilt them to the side. Like he did all those things. So I felt like an athlete kind of. Uh, but he, So he, he basically <laughs> told me, he was like, as, as, as long as you're not trying to go to the league, like meaning the NBA, you'll be fine. But your your days of playing in the street, like street basketball, those are pretty much over. Yeah. It's basically what he told me. Okay. I was like, damn, really? Because I'm I'm 32, so it's done. It's a wrap. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it is. I, I mean, it hurts. You know? It hurts because I know, like, you still wish you could do stuff like that, play sports, do do all those things. So. Nah, Did you know? Like, I'll always remember the week because I busted mm-hmm. my knee. Tuchel got sacked. The queen died <laughs> all in the same week. My I'll goodness. never forget it. It was my knee, Tuchel, the queen, all in three days. What, where, what a where, week. Where, I was going to ask you, what position did you play? It was a hell of a week. Yeah. Um, I, I played as a defensive midfielder, mostly. DM. Um, okay. When, right. so, when when we played five-a-side, I would usually play, like, you know, centre-back, deepest man. Um, mm. But, you know, proper proper 11-a-side would be DM. I could really pass the ball. If you could compare yourself to a player, like, I was a worse version of insert footballer who was your prototype i i used to think well i was quite physical as well so i used to think michael sn but i could really pass the ball um i think i could pass the ball much more than sn so i think i'd be thinking like a redondo or a guti guti okay i like it yeah yeah Okay, now that transitions me nicely. So you said you support Madrid. At what point do you start supporting like the evil empire of football? <laughs> and and like how how does that get started in in Lagos or Nigeria at, at large? Yeah, so I, I, was, I was still in secondary school at the time. Um, some background in the early mid nineties, ninety four, ninety five, when Brazil were like really big. I liked Barcelona. I didn't quite support Barcelona. I was, I was a you know young then. I was like um, seven, thereabouts. Yeah, I wasn't watching so much football. You know, I was a kid, um, but I liked Barcelona a lot because Romario was my favorite player. And I'm not sure how I transitioned from that to becoming a Real Madrid fan. But it was 2000 when Real Madrid beat Valencia in the Champions League final. Um, I just liked what I saw. It, it was good. It was you know I was in secondary school then. Um, I just liked what I saw. It was good. It was fun. And I thought, you know, let, let's see what happens with this club. I think I started to work them more. Um, it was about the same time Figo joined. Real Madrid were really massive at the time. You know, Zidane joined a year later. Um, there was Raul, you know, there was Roberto Carlos. As someone who had, you know, some Brazil background-ish. Um, so I, I'd say that, honestly, and it's probably the case with most football fans, you know, so I don't feel guilty about it. But it was like glory hunting at the time. Mm. The biggest club in the world that had just won the Champions League and were winning stuff. They had all the best players in the world. Two years later, Ronaldo de Lima joined. It just made sense. It, it felt natural just supporting Real Madrid at the time. Um, and then dark days came, but yeah, <laughs> that's how I became a Real Madrid fan. <laughs> I think that the love started to grow. Yes, started in 2000, but it wasn't up until maybe about 2002 that I would say that I became really dedicated um, watching more games and trying to watch more games. Um, so yeah, I'd say there was a Dan thing, there was a Ronaldo thing, there was a Figo thing. Um, all those guys then, yes, uh, for sure. Was the Premier League not being shown? Like, were you never hooked by the English thing? It, it, it or wasn't. it was always Spain? It, it wasn't. Um, it was basically, I think it was mostly the Champions League, actually. Mm. Um, and then there was Syria football at the time. But yeah, you're right. Like, there's so many par- parallels to draw because for us, it was with cable TV coming in as well. So at the time, we had to basically tap signals from wherever uh, to, to watch football <laughs> games. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, and, and mostly we watched Champions League football at the time. So mm. it made a lot of sense. Um, and if you would ask a lot of football following um, Nigerians who started to watch football in the early 2000s, a lot of people were hooked to the Champions League. So you would see, for instance, Real Madrid fans, a lot of Real Madrid fans 
you will see Juventus fans. They're rare these days, rare these days, but you see Juventus fans. You see AC Milan fans. AC Milan were massive in the Champions League then. So you'd see a lot of AC Milan fans who fell in love with AC Milan because of Costa, Shevchenko, back, back in, in, in the days. A lot of Inter Milan fans as well. Obafemi Martins was, I think, you know, about 2002, mm. thereabouts, he was at Inter Milan. There, there wasn't so much of the Premier League um, up until, I think, 2003, four, and then five, you know, there was more Premier League and then Premier League became a thing. But if, if you go back, you know, just to sort of buttress your point, it always happens that way that the more football you can watch, um, the more you can gravitate towards, you know, which team or whichever team. Maybe, maybe if, I, if I didn't want the Champions League at the time, I probably would have been like maybe a United fan. Arsenal fan, Arsenal were big then, Chelsea were big as well. Kano was at Arsenal, late 90s, early 2000s. Babayero was at Chelsea as well. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's possible. And, you know, for, for Nigerians who didn't support Serie Madrid or AC Milan because they were big in the Champions League, we, we had to either support Chelsea or Arsenal. You know, you either supporting Kano or you're supporting Babayero. Um, and then I think it was, not sure what year, but it was about the time when the... Chelsea 3, Arsenal 3 thing happened. And a lot of us didn't watch that on TV, of course, but maybe a few weeks later, we, we heard about it. Um, and the rivalry was pretty strong then. Uh, you were either supporting Chelsea because of Babero or you're supporting Arsenal because of Cano. And then Henry, of course, who was pretty big after the World Cup, after the Euro in 2000. Um, mm. And that that's how it was for a lot of us, like our football history. Um, especially, you know, if you were younger then, like teenagers, um, they're about some older ones, you know, had more money and stuff like that. Maybe they could watch more football games. But for like the average person, we, we couldn't watch football games. Um, it was like scavenging, whatever you, you, you saw, you just take it. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I think from, from 2002, 2003, things started to change and, you know, we could see more games and yeah, it was better at that point. Has Madrid ever had a Nigerian footballer? I can remember Adebayor. I can remember Essien on loan once. Have they ever no, had somebody from Nigeria? So. No, no, no. That's a mistake no. from Perez, bro. Because <laughs> no. it would go poof. Like it would have just shot up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would, it would have. Do, do. Guess mm-hmm. what? Um, we, we've had a Barcelona player. Um, what's his name now? Benga Okunowo. Play, I'm going to play for Barcelona as well, by the way. Yeah, that, that's an easy one. Amenike, mm-hmm. Emmanuel Amenike played for Barcelona. Okay. But I, I, I'm not sure if, again, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to how many people had access. If Amenike or say, let's say, Victor Simen, for instance, who's like, you know, as big as Amenike was. Um, and Mikel is a good example. A lot of Chelsea, a lot of Nigerians became Chelsea fans because of Mikel. Um, if Victor Sime would play for Barcelona today, because there's a lot more exposure, I can imagine there'll be lots of Nigerians supporting Barcelona. You know, like I said, at the time when Amelike mm. played for Barcelona, how many people watch football really? How many people watch football in Nigeria? Um, so, so maybe if a Nigerian had played for Real Madrid as well back in the day, I'm, I'm not sure if it happens. Well, maybe, maybe a Sime. Sime is really good, you know. And he's like he's been really good. Um, he was good, but at this point, he's like hot. Maybe, maybe <laughs> if it happens now, yeah. No, he's, he's hot. I, you know, I, and I say that to someone who I always felt like mm, maybe it's just form. Maybe he's not that good. Um, mm. I felt like that about Osime in the earlier years. Right now, ah, you've got to admit, like, yeah. And I'm not saying this because I'm Nigerian, but yeah, you have to admit that he's he's. The thing is, is really yeah, good. And I think, yeah, he feels it as well. He knows that he's good. For me, mm-hmm. that's that's always key, you know, for a footballer, not just to be good, but to know that you're good. Because a lot of it is psychological as well. Your opponents, you know, I, I think they're trying to downplay your qualities. They want to see how good you are, you know, stuff like that. There's a lot of mind games there. But Osime plays like he knows that he's it. Um, and yeah, that, that 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 for me, you know, always catches me. He scored this one goal like within the past two months or so 
where he just kind of it was like a very old school looking goal where like players don't score these goals like it looks like something mm-hmm. like a, like from a highlight package from the 80s or, or 90s where he just rifled it into the top corner and yep. i was like yo that's different the way he plays just reminds me of one of those throwback old school like like, Dutta, like just one of those old school <laughs> yeah, not, like I, you know what you know yeah. I, I try to avoid comparing if i can Africans to other Africans because I feel like it's kind of easy just to be like he's Waya or he's Drogba or he's this yeah. like but that yeah. moment of just like the shot power it was like wow that 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 reminds me of Batistuta just you know one of those things so I enjoy watching his game and what he's doing with Napoli is something very special if only he could have brought it you know to the national team but maybe maybe we'll get into that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah like so so supporting Madrid I always feel like it's like a cheat code almost. I mean, you did mention dark times, so maybe you can touch that if you oh, want yeah. to. But the, generally the, the, speaking, really su- supporting yeah. Madrid must be just fun. So talk to me just about your journey from, the, let's say, the early 2000s up until now. If you could pinpoint some some stops along the way where you're just like, this is what it means to, to be a Madrid fan to me. I, I think that, you know, once we left like 2002, 2003, Bernardo wasn't himself anymore, you know, starting to age. Zidane retired in 2006. Six, yeah. Uh, but, but before Zidane's retirement, yeah. Um, those years between 2004, when we were knocked out by uh, Monaco, yeah, it was Monaco, um, when Porto won the Champions League. 2005, when we were perpetually knocked out by Juventus. Those days were dark, man. It was, was really dark because... We had a team that was aging. Salgado was right back. Carlos was left back. These guys were done. They were absolutely done. <laughs> um, and then we had guys like Gravis, Gravisin. You know, in 2006, we had Emerson. We had Zidane, who was probably done as well. I think the problem at that point was we weren't sure how to transit from these guys. You know, all these guys had made massive name for themselves. And you want to play them by their name. It's it's a lot different this time. And, you know, there are parallels to draw as well. There's Modric and there's Cruz and there's Benzema. Thankfully, they're performing. Um, I think it makes it a lot more different. But then those guys weren't performing anymore. They were done. All those guys are done. Um, and rather than reinvest in the squad and buy new players, we just fired coaches. There's nothing those guys could have done. All those coaches just kept changing coaches. I think that for a lot of Real Madrid fans, those were the really dark days. Thankfully, in 2009, things turned around again. From about 2006, when guys like Ramos joined, I think there was, there was a direction at that point. Ramos joined in, uh, Marcelo joined. We started to have younger players come in, Higuain, at about the same time as well, 2006, seven. Um, and then there was a whole revolution in 2009 when Cristiano, Alonso, Benzema, all these guys came in. I think we're still living, yeah, Kaka, we're still living off those days, to be honest, because like Marcelo was la- part of the last Champions League winning team. Um, and Sergio Ramos is, you know, he, he left as well last, last season. Off the back of that 2009 team, it was easy to bring in guys like Modric about four years later. Um, it was easy to bring in Tony Cruz about five years later. Um, and it was basically the Ronaldo Marcelo team, uh, Ronaldo Marcelo Ramos team. Those were the guys who started it. Benzema is still there. You know, the guys who started the new age. I would mm-hmm. say that's been like a really successful, what, that's 14 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> you're spoiled, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, we're spoiled. I know, know, 15 I know, years I know. of success. We are, we are really spoiled. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been it's been a successful 14 15 years. Um, but I, 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 I feel like just before then, those days were dark. Um, it was, was really bad. Um, to being a Real Madrid fan those days, mm. uh, it, it was a time when. The Premier League was big in Nigeria, you know, and cable TV was big as well. And there were a lot of classical games in 2004, 2005, 2006. And when you go to viewing centers to watch those games, I, I wouldn't watch a lot of Premier League games. I would watch Premier League games, but not, not quite as much. Uh, a lot of people were supporting Chelsea, 
Manchester United. And these guys would sit back after the Premier League games to watch the Classico at 9 p.m. They would watch Eto'o and Ronaldinho score in a 3-0 victory for Barcelona. <laughs> and, you know, it was always 3-0. Was it a 3-0 or 4-1 or something? Yeah, that would happen. It was the same scoreline. Every night it was 3-0. Every night it was 3-0. Eto'o would score um, and Ronaldinho would score. That, that's that's how I recall those days. It was losing three 0 every time. <laughs> I'm not sure how many three 0 losses were, you know, to be to be factual, but it always felt like always losing three 0 in the classical. But I, I think I had the thing with Real Madrid. It's probably the thing with Real Madrid fans as well. It's like it's just a connection, like mm-hmm. big club. Like regardless of what the times are, you have this pride supporting Real Madrid. Um, just supporting that institution, big big football club. It's 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 been good fourteen years. I cannot deny it. I I'm not one of those who <laughs> feel like yeah, like we always have to win because I've seen the dark days. I I have I've had a Real Madrid that didn't win, that didn't look like they would win, um, and so yeah, I I just take I take it and, and I enjoy it. I'm, for me, I'm I'm just enjoying this time because I remember Salgado and Roberto Carlos vividly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and those days, yeah, man, those days weren't good. Those days weren't when, good. When when did um, when did you guys I, I get think... the homie from Netherlands whose name is skipping my mind? His name starts with Drente. 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 <laughs> when did you get yeah, it? Yeah, same time. Same time. Yes. Yeah, that's I, 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 I remember. I remember every one of them. I I remember every one of them. Uh... Man. I remember every one of them. I remember Pablo Garcia. I remember Pavon. I remember Raul Bravo. I remember Gravison. Um, these guys haunted me. I remember Cecilio. <laughs> these guys, these guys hurt me. Man. These guys hurt me. These guys were bad. They were really bad. Like it was one bad play after another. It was, yeah, it was. It was almost like you know what? What? What are we doing? We just had one bad play after another. I would say that you know I, I think I, I referenced two thousand and nine when Ronaldo and, and the likes came, but I'd say that. About two years earlier, in 2007, when the Dutch guys came, Schneider, Robin, Van der Vaart, I think that's when things started to change. I think they were the guys we transitioned to just after, you know, the oldies. The Dutch guys, especially Van der Vaart, Schneider, Robin, uh, there was Drenthe as well, who was, you know, where we, we had the time when we couldn't pick between Drenthe and Marcelo. It's a bit like United fans having Bissaka um and Dalot and they're not sure which one of them um is or should be the right back. And we had that time when we had Drenthe and Marcelo. Um and this this match Drenthe looks like the guy. Next match Marcelo looks like the guy. Um both of them were pretty young then so you couldn't really tell who would be what. Marcelo was cold ish, you know, was trying to adapt, I would think, to European football. Uh, but Drenthe was like really energetic. He would run around, he would dribble, and then he would be poor. You you can't be you can't give what you don't have. So he's just like uh, yeah, I just run around, and he had dreads, you know, dreads flipping <laughs> everywhere, flapping mm-hmm. around, pa 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 pa, looking all activity, and then he'll just be really poor in the end. That's what we had to go through. Okay, I have I have two more questions about Madrid. The first is your feelings, thoughts, opinions on what Mourinho brought to that particular setup. So so you say you brought the Dutch guys, then you have the summer of 2009 where you bring Alonso, Benzema, Kaká, and Ronaldo. So you have that. And then when is it exactly that Mourinho comes? 2010, 11, that season after Inter. Um, What do you think he brought in particular to that that team that still kind of exists today, if you look at Benzema at least? Mm -hmm. I, I think it was the winning mentality. Um, mm. You know, he had he had done all those Chelsea years where special one. You know, he had done yeah the Chelsea experience, and then he had gone from there to still winning at Inter, including the Champions League. And so he came to a Real Madrid that had all those players, but luckily, so all the talents, you know. I don't think that without Mourinho would have the three Patriot Madrid. Um, mm. And, you know, like you said, Benzema is still here. There's still a few of them here. It, a bit has changed. But I think what Mourinho did at the time was to come into his squad that had all that talent and make them fighters, make them know that they could 
fight. Um, there was a lot of suffering as well under Mourinho. Um, I remember, you know, the first season, it was knocked out in the Champions League by Barcelona. And then the next two seasons, um, it was Bayern Munich, and then it was Dortmund. Um, I think the third season was the Dortmund match where Lewandowski had 4-1 you know, in the first leg. Real Madrid beat Dortmund 2-0 in the second leg. And that, that game for me was sort of like the turning point because there was a lot of fights. You know, even though we, we had lost that game, you know, the tie ultimately, but there was a lot of fights. It was the game where I think they started to believe that they weren't so far off because they had scored two goals. They could have scored a third one. They would have won, you know, with 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 the third goal on on a way goal. Um, I think that's that's overall what Mario brought into the squad. Like, yeah, you guys are good, but you have to play like you're good. You have to believe that you're good. You have to be willing to suffer for it as well. Um, in the end, when the success started to go, I don't think Mario would have gotten all that success though. You know, just to be clear. Um, mm -hmm. I, but I think that we needed that extreme from Mourinho so that when guys like Ancelotti and Zidane came in, mm. they could find the balance. Those two are perfect in the sense that they're right in the middle. I don't know, like if there's a spectrum of coaches, like crazy coaches and then <laughs> balanced guys. And then, yeah, yeah, I don't know what the spectrum is like. Asenbenga I know exactly what like you mean, cold, though. I know exactly like what you mean. Cold. Yeah, yeah, Venga yeah. would be like too cold, and then Ancelotti and Zidane would be like down the middle. Allegri, I think, falls right down the middle as well, and then Mourinho and Pep would be like extreme. You know, I think yeah. Ferguson is in between the extreme and the middle. Like he's somewhere not exactly extreme, yeah, but not quite there, the yeah. middle. He's somewhere <laughs> in the middle there. Um, and I feel like that's that's the pro yeah. that's probably the best balance if you want like long term success plus success plus longevity. You have to have that edge, yeah. but you can't be too extreme, otherwise you alienate. And that's what Mourinho does, yeah. which is why I don't and think you, you, you can't you can be too there. soft as well. Right, right. Yeah. Um, um, what was my so next yeah, thing? You know, I, I agree with you totally. Yeah. Hmm. My next thing was, what kind of Madrid fan are you in the sense of how much <laughs> do you respect Messi's Barcelona? Like obviously the news that came out recently, where they might allegedly they might be buying mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or or have purchased referees. Like, <laughs> how is your relationship with Barcelona in that way? I think the best way to answer this question would be that mm. my favorite footballer ever is Xavi. I don't like his personality. I think he's a really annoying guy. Um, <laughs> but I think just in terms of his football, his his idea of what football is about, his understanding of the game. Um, his passing, his ability. He's the guy that I love the most. Like he he epitomizes what I would want in a footballer. Like mm. someone who can control a football game, pass the ball, you know, dictate games, do all that stuff. So yeah, I think I, I respect that Barcelona. I think I like Javi a lot, which for me would make me respect that Barcelona. I think there's a lot, there was a lot of preferen preferential treatment as well. You know, to be honest, it's it's hard if you're a Real Madrid fan, and you could see some of the advantages that they got. It's not entirely surprising, you know, the news that's come out now. I think that, for instance, Messi was unplayable, so you have to respect that, regardless of what you think. Messi was unplayable. Xavi was unplayable. Those two, especially, I think that they were unplayable. At the time, they just had the better team. At the time, they were, you know, I, I could take it. Um, I didn't like it, but I could take it. I could understand that they were better. What I couldn't quite understand was, was and I'm, I'm always careful, you know, with referees because um, I think as football fans, we should try not to mess up the whole thing for ourselves. Like if you come to a reality where you think refs are compromised, then you might as well not watch the game because mm -hmm. like, it messes the whole thing up for you. You're just like, so why are you watching the game if all the games are fixed? But I, I think that refs can be really incompetent. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that, I'd say that it's it's more that they're just useless. And, uh, and some of those refs are just terrible. They're absolutely terrible. I don't think that the refs are fair enough. Um, I, I, I tweeted something earlier um, when the allegations came out, you know, about Barcelona playing refs. I saw a clip on Twitter and it just brought back, back those memories of how they had this bias in the sense that 
they would view Barcelona as the perfect team. They had Messi, who you know has this fantastic PR, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but like everyone knows, Messi has good PR. Like he's a good guy, can do no wrong. Um, and then Barcelona were the sort of team that played, according to many, the perfect brand of football. And so I think refs came into games carried away. They would just naturally favor Barcelona. And I, I don't know if I was if I was a Barcelona fan, I'd probably admit that as well. I think that they were good, but it also sort of influenced how referees saw them. I feel like, for instance, the um, the Obrevo incident. Don't do that yeah, to me, bro. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but like, I I feel like if 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 it was the other way around, Barcelona would get all those calls. Barcelona would get every call. And yeah, for, for me, that, that's what hurts as a Real Madrid fan. Like, I could see that they were good and they played good football. But I'm like, you know, just take away the referee factor. Let's see how good they are. Maybe, maybe they don't win the Champions League in 2009. If the no, was no they don't. Chelsea win. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. So they, they, don't, they don't get past Chelsea. And it, it means that I, I think about this as well, you know. If if they don't win the Champions League in two thousand and nine, then Pep Guardiola doesn't win. You know the the six trophies he got in his first season, um, and that that can definitely affect like confidence. You know when you're not winning stuff or when you don't win stuff, um, and and maybe they don't have that dynasty. But but then again, you know you you could say the same for like the major dynasties. Like the first time, maybe you get lucky. So. Probably they got lucky. But yeah, they were good. Overall, they were good. Um, but, you know, like I said, some factors maybe could have changed the whole thing. And it's it's hard not to think about those factors as a Real Madrid fan. That's the Like today, I looked in my mentions and there were people that were like, mm-hmm. does this make 2009 feel better, Daniel? I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't make me feel fine. better at all. Like, what are you talking about? It makes it feel worse. Like, I'm, exactly. It it's like, worse. I knew yeah. this was happening at the time. I just couldn't prove it. And now evidence is coming out that basically yeah. it confirms what I thought or what might have happened. It's just like, uh, it's just infuriating. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. This it, is, it makes this... it annoying because like, yeah. you know that they were good, but yeah, they shouldn't have that, done stuff that, like that's that. That's what makes so, it worse. It's like, yeah. they were already good. They don't need help on top of it. But if you give them the help on top or allegedly give them Bro. help on top, it's like, well, you're making a team yeah. that of course is going to win troubles and can't be beaten. I mean, they have the greatest player right. of all time on their team and the ref. What? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> People who might remember our two, 2018 World Cup project, we'll know that we had Deji on to talk about Nigeria. I would have asked a couple months ago, <laughs> but uh, there was there was kind yeah. of no purpose. So how has your relationship with the Super Eagles been? It's an abusive relationship. Ah, Yes. <laughs> So 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 does this start for you 94 96 like which year do you do you hop on board Um I think that was was mostly 94 mm. I still quite young then of course but because a lot of people around me talked about it you know we had beaten Tunisia we had like our best team all those legends were there I I would say that for a lot of people who were born like late 80s early 90s it was definitely the 1914 Cup of Nations World Cup. It was basically the same team uh, because a lot, of, a lot of those guys were young at the time. Like JJ was young, um, Tijani Babangida, you know, there were a few others as well in, on, on that team. Um, so we had a core of that team, or would I say, you know, a few of them, some of those players in the Olympics team as well. Mm. And I would say that to some extent, the Olympics was like, um, even though it was under 23 football, it was probably the peak of our football, for instance. Well, not just because we won it, um, but that, that helps, <laughs> of course. But for instance, a, a lot of our greatest players were sort of in that Olympics team. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of players as well from the 94 World Cup team. But we had won the Olympics, you know, once we won the Olympics um, on the streets of different cities in Nigeria, there was massive celebration. I think that that sort of changed our view and our demands from our football teams. 
it changed mm-hmm. a lot because you know correct me if i'm wrong if, if my fact is wrong but i believe that that was our first major international trophy we had, we had won the cup of nations twice before then but i mean that's in africa yeah well may, maybe i should say it's a continental trophy so we had, we had won the cup of nations which is international you know but the olympics was like a world thing so that was like our global first global trophy maybe our only global trophy so it was it was it was a massive game changer we had beaten brazil as well and that brazil team had ronaldo they had roberto carlos they had bebeto yeah when, when you beat that team uh, we had beaten Argentina as well. Argentina had Crespo, Zanetti and the likes. I think it changed how we started to see ourselves. I don't know how we saw ourselves up until then, but for a lot of us growing up at that time, we believed that Nigeria was a massive footballing nation. Again, I'm not sure because, you know, I was young at the time, but I, I don't know how those who were older then saw the team. Did they have demands? Did they have expectations? We did, for sure because we grew up with a team that could beat brazil and argentina mm. um and, and that's the team that we knew growing up do you know i'm looking yeah. at this team right now yeah. jj culture baba yaro amokachi yeah. mm-hmm. munike mm-hmm. right kanu sunday yeah. olise taribo west yep i mean like the yep. names on this team and this is as you say it's like a under it's meant to be under 23. like that generation yeah. sets a particular tone for people of a certain age to where we expect you to be like those guys. I've I've never thought about it like that, but that's very interesting. Yeah, but that, 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 that team that, was that's stacked. What that's what we grew up to. Yeah. Because I, 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 I even, even me, like I'm 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 not Nigerian, but I remember when I was a kid, one of one of my first footballing memories, I'm born in 1990, mm-hmm. was watching the 96 Olympics. It was in Atlanta, so it was at a good time. And yes. Donovan Bailey won the hundred meter dash and he was Canadian. So I remember being happy about mm. that. But JJ Okocha, watching him play football, I, I remember in like the yards, just want, I'm JJ Okocha, like even the name just sounds yeah. good, right? So, but that team, I just remember watching that team and being like, yo, these, and like African teams, like what, we're good? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I couldn't and, imagine and actually being Nigeria. They, they, like that's a, they, they, that, they that would really take good. it to another level, you know? Yeah, yeah, they, they were really good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I would say that for, for a lot of us, that's when they start, started to expect things um from nigeria and probably <laughs> yeah that that's when we're doomed as it well instead of bad tone instead of bad tone it did it did because we, we went went into uh, the world cup two years later thinking mm. we were one of the best teams in the world in 98 we, we genuinely felt like we were one of the best teams in the world we played spain in the first game you know that, that was the Ulisse goal um beating Zubizarreta. And we, we, we genuinely felt like we should have beaten Spain. And we did ultimately, but, you know, I think we trailed at some point. But we went into a game against Spain and we thought we should beat Spain. And it wasn't really surprising for many that we beat Spain, especially many Nigerians. Obviously, there's Nigerian pride. Like, you know, we have like the Nigerian pride, but I would say that in football, that's where it started in 96. Um, and then went from there to 98. In the round of 16 game at the 98 World Cup, we played Denmark in Nigeria. Um, I don't know if you know about this, but in Nigeria, we didn't know so much about Denmark. You know, like a lot of European countries, like, I mean, they aren't like European powerhouse Denmark, even though they had won the Euros, you know, a few years back. But yeah, who cares? Like, we don't really care uh, because we're, pride. We're, we're, we're proud. Yeah, like, you know, Nigerian pride. We don't care. And we sort of wrote up Denmark in the round of 16. You know, a lot of people had the permutations and they had Brazil next. And people, you know, not, yeah, Nigerians were, were ready for Brazil. It's, it's like regular story right here in Nigeria because truly we're all preparing for Brazil. We're looking forward to Brazil in the quarterfinal. We're like, yeah, we'll probably beat them again or, you know, tough game and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that was the reality check. We're beaten 4-1 by Denmark. Um, I think maybe maybe that's when we started to realize. But again, um, I I think that's a problem with Nigerian football, yeah, because we could have seen that as a teachable moment to say that don't uh, don't look ahead. We have to explore teams and understand other teams better, like Denmark, for instance. I don't think we knew so much about them. Um, but I think the big lesson that a lot of Nigerians took from that game 
was that Denmark were lucky and Peter Rufai was poor. Peter Rufai was too old. It shouldn't have been the goalkeeper on the day. We were supposed to win that game. And the only reason why we lost was because Peter Rufai was poor and Denmark, you know, got lucky. I don't know if you know about uh, Barbosa in the 1950 um, World Cup final. It was Brazil against Uruguay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was the Brazilian goalkeeper, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the Brazilian goalkeeper. And <laughs> yeah, he was made the scapegoat of that failure, like a national scar. Yeah. And they, I, I guess they, they like, maybe maybe like 7-1 would be like the next kind of national scar. But yeah, yeah like it, 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 yeah. it tends to fall on those goalkeepers of just like, whether it's Rufai or Barbosa but or... It's, it's, it's just, it's just yeah. denial. It's just denial. Really. Yeah. It's, it's denial. That, that's what happens when you can't look yourself. Like, for instance, it was Brazil hosting the World Cup final at the Maracanã in front of, I think it was maybe like 100,000 people. And so you cannot blame yourselves. Like, it's, it's hard to, to be honest, to say that we weren't prepared enough mm. or, you know, we didn't study the Uruguayans well enough. No one would say that. It would just be like, oh, let's put it on the goalkeeper. That yeah, that's the easy one, yeah. Um and yeah. and he was black. So it was it's, it's easy to put it oh, on right. him as well. Yeah, like, very, very yeah, easy. yeah. He was he was very African easy. as well. So you look yeah. at him and it's just like, oh, of very, course he's very easy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very easy. So that that that's how it felt for us as well. So um and I, I think that what I was gonna say earlier is I think it was a turning point for us mm. because that was a chance, I think, to um, focus less on the talent that we had, like, you know, not just enough to have talent, but to have organization to, you know, do a lot of back end work and to prepare, you know, not underrate opponents and to, to learn, you know, do sort of lessons. And I think that's something we've suffered from ever since. It was our chance to just drop our pride. And yeah, but instead we're just like, it's, it's Rufai. And yeah, and we've continued since then. Um, and that's something that's continued to plague us down the years. There's two more pieces of this. We'll have to bring you on again and we can talk about Nigeria. It'll be fine. Because, um, like, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about two hours about the struggle of Nigeria. Like, it could just go and go. But I want to ask, what what did you study in university and how did you get into broadcasting? Tennis in particular. Oh, okay. Like, How did you weave all these things together? Like, was this always the plan? Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it definitely wasn't. Um, so I did history and diplomatic studies in school. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I found out early enough that I wouldn't be a diplomat or an ambassador or something. <laughs> I I kind of figured that out. I, but I always had a flair for broadcasting and you know sports generally. So I think it just naturally um, was able to find myself like talking sports, um, you know, reporting sports, and I wasn't quite a tennis fan as well early enough. Well, I, I'd say that, I mean, I, I always liked Nadal, you know, mm. I think I'd liked Nadal since about 2008, nine. I, I'd, I'd like Nadal for a bit, but I wasn't so much a tennis fan as per following the sports. Uh, but then once I started broadcasting, I had a friend who was a massive tennis fan and she would be like, you know, tennis. So I, I think here's the thing. I, I always felt like football was the best sports to watch. Until I realized that, you know, if you you ask me today, which sport do I enjoy watching the most? Not the sport that I love the most, but actually watching. um, It would be basketball and then tennis and then football. I think I love football the most, but I think once it comes to actually watching sports, basketball is fun to watch, so much fun to watch. It's end-to-end. It's like, you know, they're scoring every minute. Um, and, And that's why I'd probably agree with, some of the people have said bring a short clock to football like i i don't like one nil games it's yeah it's 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 okay because like it's football we understand what football is about but it can get boring it's like the real madrid game um against espanol the second half was 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 dead it was just dead it was just there (laughs) that's not the case in tennis for instance where it's end to end like you can sit and watch Nadal and Djokovic go at it for five hours. You know, Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, they sort of took the game to a level where you love to watch them. Like, you know, when, when you play, it's like watching the classical those days when Real Madrid were at their best, Barcelona were at the best, and every game was just like super intense. 
Um, and you could sit through 90 minutes, you know, without knowing it would just fly by, fly by. Um, and I think that that's the kind of love I had for tennis as well. Like just having these pure all timers just mm. play the game in a way that it's perfect. Um, like whoever loses would be like, yeah, great game. Like regardless of whether you win or lose, it would just be so good. Mm. Um, and, and for me, that that's what you fall in love with. Um, in, in a sport like tennis um okay so his like oh yeah sorry. No, no, i was i was gonna ask Go ahead, so 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 for me with chelsea i kind of got into chelsea because of well it was video games initially like the kind of the the baba yaro oh, okay. hassel bank uh desai gallas yeah. those days but then you get that next 1. wave <laughs> actually pc fifa 2002 on the oh, pc okay. Um, um, yes, yes. Right. My, my, my dad made the mistake of bringing that crack cocaine into the house <laughs> and it just, it, it, it ruined everything. But we, I say we, Chelsea fans got those Drogba teams, Lampard, Terry, etc., And you build an attachment to those players. Now that they've moved on mm-hmm. a bit, I can feel myself kind of like receding a bit from being a Chelsea fan as someone who built their, their tennis fanship, let's say. Of on the doll mm-hmm. and on and on the rivalries with Federer and Djokovic and maybe Murray to mm-hmm. to a lesser extent, have you found yep. yourself falling away from tennis or have you built a love for the game in general outside of what Nadal is doing? You know what, you're absolutely right. Um, I found myself in the last year or two, you know, just withdrawing a bit. I don't think it's the same, but I I don't think it's because Nadal is no longer there, um, and that's the thing. I think that I, I'm in love with the game. Like I love the sports, but I think that I only love the sports at the highest level. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, no, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. I, 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 I would watch Daniel Medvedev, for instance, when he's playing at his best. I think I like Medvedev at his best. <clears throat> Dominic Team, I thought mm. he played like really good tennis as well. But I, I think that tennis is that sort of sport that once the level drops. It's not as much fun anymore. And it's probably why football is maybe the one I love the most because you could watch football games. There are a lot of football games that are not at the highest level. Like there are a thousand and one fun football games that are not at the highest level. Like you could watch like a 4 4 in the championship and like the football is terrible, but <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah there's, there's just a lot of drama. But in tennis or in basketball, and I find both sports similar, if you watch two poor teams, yeah, you, you wouldn't like it. Like, the, for, for instance, in, in basketball, um, you could have like 130, 135 between like Sacramento Kings and San Antonio Spurs, which is the team that supports, and you just be like, oh, you know, you'd be so sleepy because, like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, no, no one, no one scores over fifteen points. Like, yeah, guys are just coming off the bench to score like twelve points, ten points. Like, there's nothing. It's just there. It's just there. There's, there's no, there's no drama. There's no star mm. power. There's but no. The pl- but the playoffs. Yeah, just, oh, I mean, the playoffs is the highest level. The playoffs. Exactly. Is- like the NBA playoffs is maybe my favorite thing in sports, even yeah, over like Champions League. Be. Or Premier League because oh, yeah, the, it it, be. because basketball and I, I I guess this argument flies with tennis and I'm cognizant of the clock so there's such a high skill level or, or a technical right. level that that every player has to have tennis especially that to mm-hmm. watch someone do it badly is it's like why am I here with yeah. football there's an, with football there's enough around it the the low scoring the clock and everything it creates a natural drama but tennis I'm just I'm just gonna mm-hmm. watch you double fault. Nine, ten times in a row. Like, come on, like, nah. Like, yeah. I, I, I need skill. I need to see Serena Williams, like, her first serve be lit. Like, I'm not trying to watch you just round, essentially. Yeah, so, that, that, that's it. Like, that, that's yeah. the point. That's the that's the real point. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't watch poor tennis, you know, because, <laughs> because I like tennis. No, I'm not. Like, yeah. ultimately, the, the whole essence of watching sports is to have fun and enjoy yeah. what, what you're experiencing. Yeah. Um, I can watch poor football because... There's, there's a, you know, like you said, there's enough other elements to, to help you get by. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's not the case with tennis. 
All right. So this is our quick fire round, Digi. Are you ready? Now, sure. the, now, now these are quick fire in name only. If you need to settle down on a question, you can, but mm-hmm. you will know how much time you have. So I have nine questions and we're going to run through mm-hmm. them pretty quick. All right. So right. first question, last good documentary you watched, Netflix, anything. What was the last good doc you watched? If you watched them. I do. I do. Okay. I would say that it's a basketball documentary, by the way. I'm, I'm thinking between mm. two basketball documentaries. I think the title is This Magic Moment. So it's about Shaq. Shaq. It's about Shaq. When, okay. when, when Shaq joined um, the Orlando Magic. Um, yes, the 30 Shaq. for 30. Yes. Yeah, it's a 30 for 30. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that's the one. That's the one. Um, great. That's and, a know, great one with, with him and yes. uh, Penny Hardaway and what could yes, have Hardaway. been. Yes, yeah, Hardaway. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. Good one. That's All right. One. Oh, yeah, um, next question. Good. If you could be an animal for a day, which one would you pick and why? <laughs> okay, this is an interesting one. Ah, yeah, I I think I'll be an elephant. Um, ah, that's my guy. Yeah, like, I would be an elephant. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah just, right. just just be untouchable. Like mm. yeah, just just be cool. Like just be on your own. Yeah. Although I I think about that and I'm like, bro, there are poachers out there, so maybe it's not the safest <laughs> one. But still, I would want to be yeah. an elephant. All right, next one. Uh, your your favorite skill move. Just your favorite piece of skill to watch and observe on the pitch. Yeah, it's it's, it's the most boring one, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't know if this would be a skill, but yeah, just passing the ball like five yard, careful, neat pass, like the basic, the most basic thing to do in football. That's why I can't forgive players that mess up short passes. Like I can forgive you for messing up a flick or a lob or shorts, you know, whatever. I can't forgive you if you mess up a simple pass. Because I, I think that's ultimately, that's the basis of the game. It's the easiest skill. Don't don't mess it up. I, I'll be really bad at you. Don't, don't mess it up. Your favorite television show of all time? Uh, Breaking Bad. That's easy. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. Deji, I'm sorry. Your house is on fire or apartment or wherever you're living. You don't okay. have to grab wifey. You don't have to grab children. They're going to get out of the house in time. But you can okay. only grab three things before the apartment goes up. What three things are you grabbing? This one's hard. I'll grab my phone. Bingo. Because, you know, I think I have my life on my phone. So I'll we grab all do. my phone. We all do. I'll grab, like, my certificates. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, w- when you look at it, like, dip, dip. There's not so much that's, yeah, and, you know, this may sound like, yo, you don't have a fire, so you can say this. But, yeah, <laughs> I think that ultimately, yeah, ultimately, there are a lot of things that you can recover, yeah? Like, yeah. in the end, yeah, you can probably recover anything. I, I don't think I have, like, strong attachments towards things. That's like good. That, like, me, you know, maybe, like, shoes or clothes, like, yeah, like, certificates, maybe, because I probably don't want to go back to school to... <laughs> you know, start to ask ask for another copy and stuff, but yeah, phone. Yeah, that's the one you can't recover. Because like, all right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Where are we? Okay. The time football has made you the most sad. Like watching uh, football has made you the most sad, and we we might have already talked about it, so I could almost guess. But what was the time football made you most sad? I I think it's definitely Real Madrid, and it's not like one time. It's like a period. <laughs> It's just oh, Ramadan in general. My goodness, my goodness. <laughs> you know, those days, those days in Bata when they were dominant, they, they depressed me, man. Which, which is the time that football's made you the most happy, though? Just like one moment that you would like, I don't think football has topped uh, this in terms of emotion. The, the three pits, the three pits was good, man. It was good. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever felt prouder. I will just chill. I was chilled going into Champions League finals. Like, I'll tell my guys that I, I think, for instance, in the Juventus final and the Liverpool final, um, and I watched it with friends, and I'd be like, if we get past the first half and we're not trailing, we would won the Champions League final. I think in the Juventus game, for instance, it was 1-1 at halftime, and mm. the Liverpool final as well, um, I believe it was 1-1, the first final at, at, uh, at halftime. Um, or was it 1-0? I think Liverpool equalized later on in the second half. But, ah, you know, I don't know if it was happiness. I think it was pride. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think that answers the question. But I think that, that's when I felt the proudest. Like, I felt really chilled. 
and proud. <laughs> yeah, like I just yeah, feel I really, really chilled because you know when you're feeling it, you you can feel that you're good on the top. On top, mm. I would say, let's see, happiest, happiest, happiest would probably be 2006, last game of the season, um, when Real Madrid won on the last day to win the league. Ah, scratch that, scratch that, man. It had to be Rodrigo. Yeah, that's the one. I screamed. <laughs> I screamed. My, my wife was like, my wife was like, stop screaming. It's 11 at night or something. I think it was about 11. I screamed. Dude, I don't scream when I watch football. Like, mostly, mostly I'm chilled. Mostly. Yeah. Mostly I'm chilled. I'm just like, you know, like, if, if you've worked on radio, you've worked on TV, especially on radio, you learn to be able to detach a bit because, mm. you know, you're running commentaries on radio. You can't start screaming like a crazy person. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'd learned to just be, be a bit chilled. But I screamed for Rodrigo. Like, I screamed, man. I screamed. I lost my voice. That, yeah, I'd, I'd say that, 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 was, that was good. That was oh. really, really happy. No, I um, screamed. I screamed with you. The, the Rodrigo oh, one I screamed, yeah. the, the Benzema <laughs> second against PSG, where, like, the, the camera yeah. wasn't even really showing it. That and then one, it was just too yeah. already. I was like, what? Ah! I just started screaming, and I'm a person that I don't scream either. But that was just a crazy too, yeah. moment, right? Yeah, and then I, I think and Rodrigo is, is the one the, for me. The, the last time I screamed was the Mbappe second goal in the World Cup final. I was like, ah, Ooh, like what? <laughs> so, yeah, that's great. Yeah, right, that so, was good too. Yeah, last, good. last. Then this, this is the last quick fire question, and this is my favorite one. Like I said, the other ones are my favorite one. This is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. We're we're making a music festival, Digi. I need headline okay. acts for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'll give you something that you can bring back anybody from the dead, dead or alive. I need a music festival oh. headliners for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Which three musical acts are you going with? Okay, this one's interesting. I mean, I, I think I'm having Michael Jackson for sure. Which era Michael Jackson? Are we getting light skin Michael Jackson, white Mike, black Mike? Uh, which, 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 which Mike are we getting? We're, we're having. Um, definitely white mic. Um, <laughs> so he can perform all the yeah. hits. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, we're having white mic for sure. Um, but we're having mic of like of of like you know early uh, mid night, well mid nineties, more like okay. mid nineties. All right. Yeah, we're having white mic for sure. White mic. <laughs> um, yes, I have mic. I have mic on. I, I think I have him on on Saturday. Okay. Who do I have on Friday? Hmm. I know I have on Sunday, uh, my favorite band, but let's see, who do I who do I have on Friday? I I probably want Celine Dion on Friday. Yes. I think I want How Celine how has Celine Friday. Dion navigated her way in the Caribbean, on the continent? This woman. It's, how it's is she Titanic. So I, I think it's 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 Titanic. Like with African people specifically. It's like it's, how is Celine Titanic. Dion so popular? It's yeah, it's it's Titanic. It's a Titanic movie. My heart will go on. My heart yeah. will go on. It's, so we've got so, yeah. so we got Celine, we've got White Mike, and yeah. Sunday is And on Sunday we have Coldplay. Like that's my favorite. Coldplay. So, yeah. Yeah. You know so what? Even, you know yeah. what? I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at yeah. you. Now now which which era Coldplay is your favorite? Every, every. Like every, <laughs> yeah, like people 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 talk about Coldplay and like uh, we don't like new Coldplay. I like every Coldplay. I like every Coldplay. I like the first album. I like the last album. I like every Coldplay all through the years. <laughs> like Coldplay speaks to my soul. That's that's my music. I, right. I listen to Coldplay like maybe. I will tell day. you. I think I think my favorite Coldplay <laughs> album is Parachutes. Okay. Then we get X and Y. That has to be up there. I, I think I rock with Coldplay. You know. Pretty much, so it's a Celine Dion, and then it's Michael Jackson, and then it's Coldplay on Sunday. I like it. It'll be fun. You, you guys will have fun. Definitely, Deji Fest. I'd, Let's I'd, make I'd, it. I'd have, I'd have Burner, I'd have Burner Boy, like, <laughs> you know, just right after Cold. I like Burner. Like he's, he's a crazy guy, but I like Burner. Mm. I like Burner a lot. I and if if I say that I like you, I truly like you, <laughs> mm. because yeah, um, I, I like Burner. I, I think like my favorite Nigerian artist. Someone else said that they would have picked Burner Boy, but once I said that you could raise people from the dead, they were like, I don't know if I want to waste a spot on <laughs> yeah. Burner Boy when I could bring Michael back or Bob Marley right. or something like that. So, 
So yeah, I, I I agree with the choice of bringing Mike back rather than doing mm-hmm. Burner Boy. But yes, Deji. Um, last last question: Is there anything that people should know about? Where can people find you on the internet? Your work? Anything that's coming out? Um, I will link it in the description. But yeah, where where can people find well, you? Yeah, I mean, like like these days, just on Twitter, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like I'm doing a lot of other stuff. Um, been off radio for a bit. You know, off TV for a bit. Yeah, just chasing other stuff, especially in marketing. Like, you know, I've been doing a lot of marketing lately. You know, it's different me. So, (laughs) yeah, but I'm on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter. Um, Talking football, you know, just trying to cool off. It's it's a fun place, to be honest. So, yeah. Indeed. So, Deji, I I thank you for coming on and indulging me for, Mm -hmm. for an hour or so. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Was was fun actually. Had a great time. All right, guys. See you next time. Peace, yeah. peace. Yeah, cheers, man. Sports Social Podcast Network.